Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He finally came out and addressed those Cristiano comparisons. (laughs) How do you feel about being called the next Cristiano Ronaldo? And he said, I'm the only, I'm Warrell Gazzi. Yeah, he didn't say that. <laughs> Hi guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Um, I don't know where to start with this one. I don't know what to talk about <laughs> like the beauty of a podcast is normally we come on here with a lot of stuff to to discuss this this was the ghost Everton game that we've all been waiting for all season like ghost game like very fucking apt to call it that because that is just going to ghost into oblivion and I don't think anything from that game will ever be talked about ever again apart from this podcast this is the final say that this game will ever have. Like, what? <laughs> what the hell was that? It was so bad. It was, um, it was a two collection of players just giving the ball to each other and doing nothing with it. And sometimes if they got a bit further up the pitch where they give the ball to each other, they just ballooned it over. It, it was the most pointless game of football I've ever watched. One of those ones where I actually feel uncomfortable when people, other people are watching it. And, like, it's not a great one to raise the curtain for United-Liverpool, where it's always Sky's biggest game. Like, imagine the amount of people just casually tuning in for that and seeing that shit. And you're like, no, we're actually we're actually much better than this. I don't know if we are. That was, uh, that's the sort of game that would make you question your, the amount of time that you're giving up to football, because I don't even know what happened. Like, so much so that I don't even know what to talk about. I mean... We played Everton 12 days ago. Like, it was already going to be a struggle fucking talking about this exact same fixture again, but they served up nothing. So, Liam, I'm going to start the podcast in an unfair way to you by throwing it over without a single question or talking point. Away you go. I'm starting to think these cunts don't care that I leave work early for that shite. (laughs) I'm starting to think they don't give a fuck. About the fact that I, I was pegging through the streets of Dublin in the blistering sun, getting into my gaff and pulling the blinds down to block out that sun, so I could sit in my fucking living room in the dark on the <laughs> best day of the year on my own to watch that. <laughs> like, did they care? Did they appreciate that we have to talk about that fucking game for an hour? Do something for us. This is the thing. I don't think they give a fuck that we used to talk about this game for an hour. Like, that's the thing that pisses me off most. Yeah, like, uh, Dean Smith's not going to bring that up in his post-match game. He'll talk about, like, you know, not creating enough chances, not enough quality in the ball. There'll be no apology to us, <laughs> Well, we've got one talking point. Emmy Martinez, what a hero. Congratulations. He's equaled, finally equaled Brad Friedel's record. And 
he would have been there in record quick time if the rest of the team didn't just go to sleep for half the season. But um, he had 12 games to do it, and he's done it now with three games left. So he actually has three games to go and try and beat it, get a club record, and no man would deserve it more. Like, he really does deserve it. I mean, tonight is a perfect example. Like, yet again, Emmy Martinez just plugged himself into the Matrix, where, where you know, all the laws of physics, as you and I know it, are completely different in Emmy Martinez's world. Like, he sees things faster than us. He sees every bit of motion way slower than what we see it. He can react quicker. He can bend the rules of his universe to do whatever the fuck he wants. And, it's, like, just little things. Like, those saves he's making with his knees. Like, he knows before it happens what, what every single player is trying to do. I don't know if we can see their eyes. If he just, He's just so intelligent. He's reacting before it even happens. He reads people like an open book. And like that was another top performance from him tonight. And yeah, I'm so happy that he's finally equaled that record. And I hope he's patting himself on the back because what a signing he has been for Aston Villa. Yeah, the, the, the save from Godfrey at the near post is, is incredible. It's just such quick reactions to a really dangerous situation when the, the rest of the team are completely switched off, including Matt Target, who was again very good. The, the header from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, that was an incredible save. But he's just a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. I mean, he didn't play in the Cups, did he? I think, so that's, what, 35 games this season? And I, I've only given out about him once. It was after West Ham. Li- yeah, Lingard Gate. And, I mean, the fact that us two whinging pricks only give out about him once in a season <laughs> really tells you everything you need to know about him. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that he's avoided us all season with with Dean Smith obviously talking about us all season usually and bringing it up like he uh, he really has um, he really has excelled himself and a bit more good news which is unbelievable considering what just unfolded tonight. But Jack Grealish is back and really that like that just warmed my stomach. Like I nearly forgot how good he was. And then he comes on. Like, well, actually, I thought a lot of the players forgot how good he was, except Matt Target. Matt Target was the one player that was like, oh, lads, Grealish is on the ball. Let's, or Grealish is on the pitch. Let's get in the fucking ball. Every, like, there was one stage where Douglas Louise, it was bouncing between the two of them. And, like, obviously, just get out of the way, Dougie. And Dougie took it off him and ran away from him. And, and Grealish is standing there with his hands out in the middle of the pitch. But Target was like, boys, Grealish is here feeding the ball, feeding the ball. And suddenly like it's it's amazing isn't it like it, we shouldn't be surprised but the fact that he was out for so long you do forget but the game the momentum it's almost like the pitch is tilted again in Villa's favor and they're they're now going downhill because Jack Grealish is on the pitch and all the play is going towards Everton and it's all going through Jack Grealish carrying the ball and dragging four or five Everton players towards him it's a it's just a sight to behold and when he came running on today he took the armband off Ming's just, he was smiling before he could even start playing. Like, how could you not love this man? Like, he just loves football, and he makes it very easy to love football, even even in a game like that. I think when it, you know that feeling you get whenever you, you wake up in the morning, and you don't really you don't really know what you're what you're happy about. Your brain hasn't clicked into gear yet, you, but you just know you're excited for some reason. I had that feeling even as I was running through the blistering heat, even during that first 60 minutes when I wanted to stick my head in the fucking oven. I just had that feeling of something, something's good again. So what is it? What is this? What are these butterflies in my stomach? And then the camera would every once in a while just pan to Jack Grealish and it would just remind me. I would just start waking up into the world again and remembering, oh, yes, Jackie boy's here. <laughs> Jackie boy's here, and we've got three more games to enjoy him with before we, uh, before we put a, an all right season to bed. And like you know, it could it could propel us up. I thought we wouldn't get to fifty points. We're now one point off it with three games to go. He could give Emmy Martin as a big chance to get that record as well. It could be a good end to a season. He could go into the Euros, you know, just in good form again. Like he deserves it. But Jesus, I think everybody's heart was in their throat when he fell down after he took that heavy touch and took a big tackle to the shin and he was down holding his shin. I don't, I don't know which shin is even sore, but um, <laughs> it was like, ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> after all the crying I was doing, immediately I started thinking, why do we risk? Why do we bring him back so quickly? <laughs> how, how stupid can they be? 
it's about to get laid into the medical team because of this for this fucking game as well <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, it's incredible that i'm sure every villa fan had that reaction despite how often we've seen jack Grealish on the ground yeah. after getting kicked on the fucking shins it's still you're never prepared for it you're always slightly worried because it's our boy jack I and mean, the last thing we want to see is him rolling around the ground we want to see him taking the pace out of everton here that Ross Barkley performance is under the radar as one of the worst of all time. It didn't fucking fly under my radar, mate. <laughs> I mean, my... He didn't do anything, right? There were bogeys lighting up my screen. <laughs> I couldn't hear the fake crowd noise over the fucking sound of my radar bleeping. You might want to, you might want to get yours checked out. Mine was fucking deafening. Like... <laughs> I, I was happy with his anonymity last week in the first 30 minutes of this game, maybe. But Jesus Christ, did he explode into life then? Like a fucking vindaloo exploding out of your arse. Like, <laughs> it all started with that touch in the box, which oh. is impressive because he somehow manages to take a heavy touch under no pressure from a pass with no pace on it. I mean, it says everything about the game. Probably that was one of the biggest chances, but... Ross Barkley has to control that ball. Do you know what the worst about that is? He actually had time to react and get there first. Like, that's how off the pace Everton were. Like, I think he could have gone and gotten that. But he stopped himself. Like, oh, I've taken a bad touch. Which he just always does. Himself. Yeah. How, how many times have you seen Ross Barkley just kind of do a half little skip into the air with his hands by his side? I mean, he followed that up soon after with a pass to Davis. Like, not only was that pass not on because Keenan doesn't want it. He's not expecting it. He's running, he's gone, he's peeled off in behind. It's terribly executed. And it's fucking pointless. It's stupid. You're giving him the ball under no pressure to do what you can just do. There are yards in front of you. Go. Carry the ball. That's why you're on the pitch. I mean, Keenan Davis could only have looked more like Tom Hanks out there if he drew a base on the ball of his blood. He was so fucking isolated all game. And there's Ross just cutting him off even more, smashing his life raft into pieces. Join in the attack. Go up with him. Yeah, it, it, the reason I say it's it's under the radar is because because Everton were so bad, basically, and he didn't do anything. They got punished. He didn't do anything that even looked like Everton were going to break and create something because they were so far off it as well. Like so, we like all like that. Passy Davis is just. Like, it's just stupid stuff. Like, it, it's one of those ones you, you might do in training if you're very, very lazy. And, like, you know, it's one of those ones that the manager or the coach would stop training if that happened. You know, it's it's just, it, it personifies the, the attitude in training that day. Like, you know, nobody's on it. Everybody stop. What the fuck are you doing? You know, he, he, just, he just rolls it behind him. It's not on. It's not accurate. And he's only about, what, five seven meters away from him and you can't even see what he was trying to do anyway and it, but he was doing that the whole game and it, it was just these little little moments of giving the ball away but never did Everton never do anything and also because he was surrounded by 10 other teammates well not 10 but like a lot of other teammates who, who were doing the same so it didn't stand out as much uh, there was a lot of little things a lot of fucking big things as well I mean straight into the second half he just plays a gorgeous drilled pass 40 yards backwards straight into Richardson's feet. And that just <laughs> that just precipitated a plethora of passes to opposing players. And it wasn't just Barkley, obviously, and I'm sure we'll fucking come to the other two pricks that were in midfield with him. But Barkley gave the ball away like you wouldn't believe. He was just picking out Everton players. It was, inc- it was actually it was impressive. He probably played it more times than Everton player tonight than he did in his fucking Everton career. Well, let's get into WhatsApp winges. We are already starting, I fear. So we'll see you there. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. WhatsApp winges. Let's go. Let's see if you can get this one. Sweet fucking Jesus Christ Almighty! You're 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 not you're not narrowing it down. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I have another sentence. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. That is the stupidest moment. How could I possibly not know what you were talking about there? Do you have it? Of course I fucking have it. I mean, 
Where do you start with this? <laughs> Fuck me. Like Keenan Davis now knows what it feels like to be me. Like an innocent bystander just having the wind taken out of your seals, your legs taken from under you, chopped down in the fucking prime of your life by Aston Villa. Well done, you got it. Matt Cash absolutely fucking mincing Keenan Davis. Like I I I don't think Keenan Davis is blameless in all this because his touch was terrible. He looked so clumsy. He was through. Like, he was through to have a shot and goal if he would just hurry the fuck up and have a bit more directness, which he usually does, but he usually has that when he's further out the pitch. He just needs to get that out of his feet and shoot, but he, he, he takes it away from goal. He runs over it. He turns around and then bang. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cash does what he does best with anybody in his way. If he sees a ball, if he sees somebody standing over the ball, the ball and the man is getting fucking rinsed. Yeah, and like maybe it was just annoying for Matt Cash to watch Davis bumble around in the box like that, just you know, so indecisively. And maybe he's just been watching too many videos of Matt Targets defending. He thought, like, fuck this. I am I'm on the left side of Everton's defense here. I'm gonna start behaving like Matt Target here. I am taking man and ball. Yeah. It was uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was terrible. Like that that's another that's one of those moments where it's so easy. Like, you can explain to somebody in three seconds what it's like supporting Aston Villa. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, I remember, you know, sometimes I complain about Villa. I try to talk about them a lot. It's been it's been harder <laughs> during the last year because you're, you're in the house. Probably it's just surrounded by the same people. And I'm, I'm living with a girlfriend who couldn't give a fuck about Aston Villa. But, like, in fairness to her, she, she gives me an ear every so often <laughs> about it. And last season, I actually took great joy in showing her the Pepe Reina moment against Leicester. Remember, like, you know, the ball just got cleared over the top. Terrible hoofed ball from Leicester. And, like, you, it just the camera is cutting down the pitch. There's no danger. And then you see this bald head coming running out in a yellow jersey, a fluorescent jersey. And he just misses the ball completely. <laughs> and you can just show that to somebody then who might not understand. I'm like, look, have a look at this. And then they can understand everything because there's so much confusion in it. It's... It's so shit. It it sums it up a lot of the time. And there it is. Three seconds of two Villa players on the attack in the box. And they've conspired to floor each other and lose the ball. And the stills from that are so stark as well. Pepe Reina is so far away from the ball. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> and I think we'd probably get a better reaction from this podcast. More people would remember what we're talking about if we just started talking about that fucking Leicester game from last year. As opposed to tonight's game. <laughs> yeah. We'll just tell him it's a special from the Leicester four one. Did we see him score that game or was it four nil? Four one. Well, they're talking balls because it was four one the first game. It was four nil in that game. <laughs> uh, second, what's up, Winge? I've never seen as many misplaced passes in all my life. It's fucking incredible. It was unbelievable. It was actually, I would say, it was disgraceful. I mean, let's just take Douglas Louise. What what was he doing tonight? He was unforgivably bad. Douglas Louise did one good thing. He did two good things in that match. One was flicking the ball over Alan. Congratulations, you flicked the ball over Brazilian players' head. Like you know, they're not exactly noted defenders. Then he plays a good ball into Tyrone Mings. He does well. His first touch is lovely. He looks up. His cross is spot on. Picks out our captain. The next thing that Lug- that Dougie does. He picks up Mings again. This time he bobbles a pass into him in his own box as he's being closed down by two Everton players. He gets away with it. The ball comes back to Dougie. Our defensive midfielder calm the situation down, surely. No, he plays a 10-yard pass into John McGinn's neck. Yeah, that was bizarre. Like, straight his, his fucking face. neck. Yeah. That, that, like, that, was, that was incredible. Like McGinn's actually right beside him. He's got time, like, Louise has time to take control, and he's just like, here, you try and do something with it. Like, yeah, at your neck or face, but, like, you just take it, and just no appreciation in the position that he's put him in. Again, in the middle of the pitch, like, Dougie, I don't think, realises that every time he makes a mistake, because of the position that he's playing in, because of the role he has, he's exposing Villa every time. Like, those times where he tries to to nick the ball like he did it in the first half and it was terrible like again the optics of it like he's come out trying to step in front of a, of a player who's got his back to him and 
because he misses it, he's now taking himself 10 metres away from that player who spun him. And now that player has turned and is now running at our back four with no midfielders there to put them under pressure. And he just doesn't have that that nose to, to, to think, like, I, I can't be the one to sell myself here. And, like, you always have to know and, like, to just accept that a player is going to win the ball with their back to your goal. On, in the middle of the pitch, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. You don't need to nick that back. Sometimes it is good to get in and win the ball back, but it's not there and it's it shouldn't be there as much for somebody like him. Yeah, and the, the balance is, is is key to get there. You have to know when to dive in. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it up. He doesn't have it upstairs. He doesn't know when to go. He doesn't know when to sit. He doesn't know when to close down space. He doesn't know when to just accept that the other team are going to have the ball for a second. And the most frustrating thing about Villa is because Villa have been like this so often this year. Dougie, McGinn, Barkley, they're all at it. They're all giving the ball away for fucking fun. But Villa still have quite good possession stats. It's because they're so good off the ball and moving into position. They're, they're brilliant at that side of it. And that's the most difficult thing for a manager to get right, is to get them to move so that they can receive the ball. But the quality of the pass, passing, the, the care in possession is just non-existent. It's unbelievable. And that really exposes you then as well, because you know we, we've got McGinn and Barkley forming a chain up the pitch. So there's no cover to the side of Dougie if he fucks up his pass. So whenever he inevitably does, He's got three Everton players bearing down on him now and John McGinn further up the pitch because Dougie has failed to execute a fucking 15-yard pass. Third one. That was at least the third time Traore dived, to be fair. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, like obviously we're watching Villa every time they're playing, so we're going to notice it more. But I'm getting a bit fed up. Like, you know, I, I hate diving anyway. I'm getting fed up seeing Villa players doing it. And Traore is going down too easy. Like, he could have had a yellow card a few times, at least a couple of times before he got it for the third time he went down. And and he's always doing it when he loses the ball. Like, imagine playing against somebody like that. It's, just, it's, it's not right. It's not it's not the right way to go about your life, just falling down. Like, come on. Be better than that. Like, we don't, you've lost the ball. You're not going to get a free. Stop looking for cheap frees. It's... It's just shite, to be honest. I've got no other word for it. It's shite, and I would, I would really hate to be playing against a player like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd really hate to be playing with him as well because the one he got booked for was just so fucking stupid. Anyway, he's just running into free players. Now, Bertie T might the odd time get through that free and whip it into the top corner and shut us all up for mm-hmm. an, for a week because we'll be giving out about him the next week. You can make no mistake about that. But it was the manner in which he lost the ball just running down a blind alley and then just lifting, bending his legs at the knee, just hoping the ref thinks that his legs have been taken from underneath him. You don't even look like you've been kicked there. You look like you've jumped into the air. <laughs> and that's it. Like, I'm not getting at Bertie T in particular. I don't think he's any worse a diver than anybody else like in the Villa team or in the Premier League. But... He he's the one tonight that I've noticed, and it is it's definitely compounded because you can hear it, you can hear the roars. It's it's just so obvious that they're looking for, it. and I always just think it's it's such a such a terrible mentality when you're just looking for a handy like you've lost a ball, suck it up, deal with it. Like you're you're cheating when you're diving. Like you know, have a bit of honor. You lost the ball, go and get it back. Don't lose it next time. Anyway, fourth WhatsApp winch. Have you seen a group of players who work as hard to play it back to the goalkeeper? <laughs> like, it's it's impressive. Like they, they really go out of their way to burrow space and get a bit of time and an angle so they can get it back to Emmy Martin is wherever they are on the pitch. Like you know, Berkeley will do it. Berkeley will do it at any cost, and McGinn will do it, and Douglas Louise will especially do it. Like even if it's going to put him under pressure, even if it's a risky ball. Even if there's a gap that they can run into themselves and go forward, they'll they'll maneuver their way back to try and find Emmy Martinez, and it's like it's like this is the end goal. Get it to Martinez, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, Barkley typically gets the ball back to Martinez via an opposition player who's just put through on goal <laughs> in direct route. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is it's really frustrating because they are desperately trying to keep a hold of the ball, and then eventually you just know it's going to come to one of the midfielders, and they're just going to sort it out by playing a fifty-yard pass back to the goalkeeper. Waste of fucking time. Has Alan never seen McGinn's arse play before? <laughs> How many times does he want to be rolled with that thing? Like, for fuck's sake, you've just played him 12 days ago. 
like it's you know this is his move and like in fairness to McGinn he got a lot of joy out of it like every time McGinn got the ball he seemed to be able to get a look at the effort in defence because Alan just just sold himself yeah and Alan was absolutely dreadful 12 days ago and I think he was he was looking for things too much then he was he was reaching for the game far too often I don't think he liked the fact that he was so outplayed 12 days ago and yeah, he was a mess tonight he was he was bad on the ball he was bad he was bad with John McGinn's arse <laughs> here's an interesting one I actually had a um... A United fan texting me there, like this is what I mean. They're tuning in. They're they're getting the the leftovers of this curtain raiser before the United Liverpool game. And um, he first text messages hadn't heard from this boy in ages, and it was like, "What do you think of Mings?" <laughs> I could tell. You could tell the question was like, he must have been watching, going, "Oh, <laughs> you know, is this the guy that United have been linked with?" Um, I just, you know, made no bones about telling him the Conza have been way better this season. But, you know, we got we get, got into a bit of a back and forward about Villa. I, I love when anybody wants to chat to me about Aston Villa. But he ended up saying, big fan of McGinn, to be fair. And, like, we, we, we hear that all the time. We, we hear it with commentators. Like, every opposition fan, you know, they they rate McGinn. And I said to him, look, every every Villa fan loves him. Like you know, every like everybody loves what McGinn gives Villa, the effort he gives them, and when he's on it, he's on it, and he's definitely not helped. Like that, him and Douglas Louise are the fucking anchors of this team. Like that's that that we know that can't go on next year, but um, you know, but I'm watching this game tonight, thinking McGinn hasn't been great. Like he's he's one of the the problems again, on top of everybody else. But it's just interesting that I'm watching that, thinking he hasn't been good, but there's somebody from. A different club going. I rate McGinn. Well, he's a he's a Man United fan, so that we can just ignore that. But <laughs> you have people. John McGinn, whenever Villa came up, was Villa's second best player, and people knew that. And Villa are a big club, and so people were talking about Villa, and no one has bothered watching John McGinn since. John McGinn hasn't been impressive in the Premier League at all. He was linked to Man United that summer. That's what his reputation is built on. There was rumours that United were going to put in a £50 million bid on him. And no one has bothered to watch him since then. And before the game, you had Graham Souness talking about liking him. Saying, he does the things that don't get praised or the things you don't notice. Well, he did fucking plenty that I noticed tonight. He was a fucking mess on the ball as a centre midfielder. Souness described him as perpetual motion. Perpetual fucking nonsense. He was so careless in possession. He couldn't complete a pass to save his life. He couldn't even complete a foul. He got booked for an utterly, unbelievably pathetic failed attempt at pulling a shirt. John McGinn was dreadful tonight and he's having another shit season. Yeah, it it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Like maybe because he's likable, maybe because he was so good. Like he was brilliant in the championship. I think he started well in the Premier League the first few games, you know, when Villa were before the confidence was knocked. You know, McGinn was one of the, the faces of that surge early on. Like it, was, it was shitting on site and it was exciting. But I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like you mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago, what's most frustrating about him is that he delivers these beautiful passes some, and then the very next one, like, and this is what he was doing every time tonight, he overhits it and it goes out of play for a goal kick. Or yeah, a goal kick all the time. And So maybe it's frustrating because he does good stuff sometimes. Like, when he, like the way Alan was just, you know, selling himself over and over. Like, it was like, oh, McGinn spun him. Didn't do anything with it, but it's like, that that's, like, Dougie wasn't doing that tonight, for example, you know, and there's always a bit of excitement with McGinn, I think, and I think this is why everybody's so slow to to maybe turn on him as, as much as you have. Yeah, well, like, and the effort he puts in is all really admirable, And but this is the thing, everybody has turned on him, Conan. Everybody knows that Aston Villa needs centre midfielders. They're just not saying, they're just not completing that thought process. Yeah. They need centre midfielders because John McGinn is one of our centre midfielders and he's not good enough. So yeah. don't be afraid to say it. Why you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say, oh, don't slag off John McGinn, but we need to sign centre midfielders. <laughs> don't slag off Nyland, but I'm delighted we got Martinez in. Exactly. Last one, this has been a long WhatsApp wins, but considering to, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Keenan Davis is still on. <laughs> like you know confused because I hadn't seen him in about 20 minutes and 
confused because like what the fuck is he still on for? Get him off. Like Keenan Davis is one of these boys who like like Gazi when he has a few bad touches early on and we say get him off. You know, he's not it's not it's not El Gazi's night, he's lasted after five minutes. <laughs> like you can tell when Davis doesn't believe. It's like like the touch for Elgazi. It's Davis's belief system that lets him down. And after five minutes, you can tell it's one of these nights he, he's not backing himself. He doesn't believe in himself. Mm. And I just I just hate I hate that about him. Like when when Davis is really good at it, he's just bullying people and he's barging through and he doesn't have a care in the world. When he's overthinking things and something goes wrong, I think he starts questioning himself in real time when there's a fucking match going on. Yeah, like Keenan Davis wasn't good, but I, I am going to caveat that if we just spent about 30 minutes talking about how shit our midfield was. El Ghazi, add him into that, he was non-existent. Bertrand Trory was non-existent. It's a lot more difficult for a centre-forward to play well whenever the team is playing shit. And I'm not saying anything interesting or original there, that's just the way it is. But Keenan Davis certainly didn't help himself with the opportunities that he had on the ball. And you're right, he got the ball and he was a little bit indecisive on it he didn't know whether or not he should just barrel ahead whether or not he should try and pick out a man the movement up top was really poor from Villa tonight and Keenan Davis was was a was a part of that problem all right let's take a breather I'll get you in the categories we're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. And the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you, he's uh, an uh, unlikable character. Like, what if he's put on a foot? Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. Is that any game? Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean, they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummie accents, though, really go through you, don't they? I mean, you're going to have to excuse me for not having a, a pile of nominations and a pile of categories for that tripe of nothingness that was served up. But um, starting with the Ronnie Rossenthal Award, and where better to start than, than Tyrone Mings. I, I can't believe how much kindness Graham Sooners was showering him with at halftime. Like... He really went out of his way to say that Mings had a, a small part of the net that he was trying to hit. Like, get that, but like the, the bottom corner was there to be hit. He didn't need to try and curl it with his head. Like that that's a bad miss. And that was one thing that Dougie actually did really well. Took the touch, looked inside, dinked it in. Mings needs to put that away. Like too often now are we just seeing our defenders miss those chances he needs to score. Yeah, like Dougie dinks it on to her captain, the big skipper, the man you want in that situation. And it's it's not a difficult chance. You're right. Sunis is fawning over him. Was It was a bit strange. I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin makes himself big, but he's static. He's not going anywhere. But where the fuck was Jordan Pickford going for that? <laughs> I mean, he is going flying across the goal. It's not like Mings is right on top of him and he's just trying to cover as much space as possible. He's just diving away from the shot. It's it's really, really quite incredible. Where is that lad going? I mean, it's it's an absolute scandal. It's it's unforgivable that our tactic tonight wasn't to get Pickford into the game. <laughs> and that El Ghazi free kick, Christ almighty, catch that. Yeah. What that are you doing? Like, I, I know it's raining, but 
You're a goalkeeper playing your trade in the northwest of England. It rains. Learn how to catch the ball in the rain. <laughs> this lad's head is only being used to keep his ears apart. <laughs> like that, that was a really bizarre one because he was coming straight on to the ball that was coming straight at him. He, and he dives into it with both fists. Like he could have dived in and caught it on his chest and nobody would have gotten there. Like he was under no pressure. Somebody was coming a second later. It would have been grand. Um, like there was no angle. He was coming straight at it, and he just Superman towards it with his two fists. <laughs> it was fucking mad. Like look back at it. People might think we're being overly dramatic here, but he uh, walks over. He's behind the ball. Yeah, his, his footwork's good. He's on everything right, and then he starts thinking. <laughs> Yeah, that's screwed over many a Jordan Pickford moment when he starts <laughs> thinking. Uh, second nomination, you mentioned El Ghazi. Um, the one, the shot that he had uh, 20 yards out in the first half, I actually have this because I was like, that's why El Ghazi's on the, on the team. Like, he gets that chance, El Ghazi needs to score. Now, I know suddenly <laughs> I'm placing a big, a big pile of expectation on Amar El Ghazi, but... That's what I want from him. You get the shot. You get the shot twenty yards out in the middle of the goals, and under no pressure. El Ghazi, I expect you to put that away, turn around, and say, "Yeah, that's what I'm all about." And didn't even work the keeper. Didn't even work the Pickford. He just he just blazed it high and wide, like every shot went. Yeah, it was it was a really bad effort from him because he had a bit of time and he had a, he did the right thing. He carried it into the space, and yeah, he just gets completely under it. I mean, you said you're putting them under a bit of pressure to say that you're expecting them just to whip that in. I mean, that's not pressure that Amor El Ghazi walks away from. I mean, he didn't laugh and bat away his suggestion that people were comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo. He just took that on a stride and said it was flattering. Like he he was happy with that. He he wasn't you know he wasn't embarrassed at all. That's Amor El Ghazi for you. I actually have uh, his quote. He finally. He finally came out and addressed those Cristiano comparisons. <laughs> Somebody actually asked him about this in an interview. How, how do you feel about being being compared? How, how do you feel about being called the next Cristiano Ronaldo? And he said, I'm the only Amar El Ghazi. Yeah, he didn't say that. He <laughs> did, but he did say, like, what a man. Like, you know, like this guy, this guy really fully believes his hype. He said, it's obviously a nice compliment, but, but I am just myself. Try to do my best, and I know I need to keep scoring goals. You know, just like it is funny that 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 that, that was a topic of conversation. Like he's you know he's delivering majors for us this season, but like oh you know, I know in fairness, who am I to talk? I've compared him a couple of times to Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I'll have to check the byline that interview. It might have been fucking you after all. <laughs> um. The well, mentioning El Ghazi, Ramsey played a perfect cross for El Ghazi over the top of everyone. El Ghazi was in the back post, and unfortunately, it was a cross to El Ghazi's head, who then ran underneath the ball, ducked, and jumped into the defender in front of him. And the ball went over everyone. Like, all he had to do is stand his ground, and he wouldn't have even had to jump. He could have let the ball come and put that away. Like, Ronaldo puts that away, El Ghazi. <laughs> You're going to have to start rising like a salmon at the back post if you really want to make these comparisons work. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't look like he wanted it at all. And you could say it was a great pass from Jacob Ramsey, but that's akin to the commentator saying Davis did everything right in the first half when he just drilled a blind cross across the six-yard box. I, I was just going to bring that up. That's so funny that you say that. Like, I didn't know where it fit it in this category, but I wanted to bring it up. Like Barkley was about Barkley's age of the box. Like you know, It was no fault of his. Like, Davis was way ahead of everyone because he was isolated. And Davis looks. He has time. He looks inside. And he just rolls. Like, he just hits it across to nobody, knowing that nobody was there. Yeah. And what what did the commentators call it? It's a great ball if only somebody was there. Nobody was there? Yeah. That means it's a shit pass. If you did that in the midfield, I'd be I'd be putting you in the same category as Ross Barkley. Yeah. It's like dreadful. That, You've just given away possession. That lovely ball that you mentioned in the first half, like it went to Richardson. It didn't. It, <laughs> it didn't go to a Villa player. And th- and that's what I'm talking about with this Jacob Ramsey cross. Like, yeah, it looks like a great cross, and it's a perfect cross if someone's just there. But it's El Ghazi, so don't fucking whip it into his head. You're just giving away possession. Yeah. 
<laughs> really bad decision from Ramsey in hindsight. <laughs> um, a new Neller nomination is, and it, like it is a tight one because I know Mings you might think would walk away, but like that that Barkley touch from McGinn's pass, like was he surprised that somebody would play him the ball? Like you know what what's he running for in the first place? Uh, like either it's just he's just got a terrible touch, or he fell asleep and he he, he caught himself surprised by somebody playing him the ball. And then he didn't react as well. Like, you know, like there we are criticizing McGinn. Should be an assist for him. You know, like he, he's put Ross Barkley through. who's made the run, and he he balls it up. Well, make no mistake about it. If McGinn had like, got three assists tonight, I still would have been slagging him off because he, <laughs> he still would have been dreadful. But uh, yeah, it it is actually a tight one. I didn't even consider it as a as a chance. It was so bad, but it my God, is it a chance? It's it's right to his feet on the penalty spot. It's Ross Barkley. I mean, this is a guy who, a self-proclaimed player of world-class ability. Yeah. I mean, like, we're slagging off Amwer El Ghazi there for not batting away those Cristiano Ronaldo comments, strongly enough. Ross Barkley was talking about having all the world-class ability that you need. He just needs to knit it together and make himself into a better player. <laughs> then fucking control the ball when you're on the penalty spot. Do anything. Yeah. Hit it first time. He could have just put his side foot into that. He could have done anything else. You know what else he could have done? Fucking reacted after yeah. he took the terrible touch instead of just doing his little weird dance into the air as if to say, oh no, the world's conspiring against me again. You're conspiring against yourself and you're conspiring against my fucking mental health, Ross. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna make it a tie because the, the Mings is so, it's so clear cut. The Barkley one is clear cut as well, but Mings has the, it's a one touch shot. He's got time. He, he has the angle. He, he, he should be putting that away. Um, it's it's a tie. Both of them win this one, and we all lose. <laughs> the vitamin meter going down. Keenan Davis, like do you know, like there, there yet again, Dean Smith has exposed me to be a knee jerk moron. Do you know, like how often have I just come on here and said, like, why is Davis not getting more game time and? In fairness to me, like he's often deserved more game time, or he's he's done stuff that you'd think merited a bit more, a bit more involvement in the team. But like he gets a full match tonight, and like, wasn't good. Well, like he, again, you made the point that the midfield weren't good either. But um, I just think like the the cash thing is just not looking threatening enough. Like it. And it was just such a stark contrast between Ollie Watkins, and maybe that's unfair, but like, you know, that's if he wants to play with Villa, that's the level he has to hit. Oh well, like yeah, if he wants to play for Aston Villa, he has to be better than Ollie Watkins. So that's that's it's not it's not unfair at all. I mean, he was he was bad tonight in what was a dreadful game, and he wasn't helped or enabled in any sort of way by his by the rest of his teammates. He was, but he was bad. And I don't want to actually just uh, keep laboring points, but I've, I've got Douglas Louise going down. But I wanted to talk about stats. You know, there's actually one of these tweets going around that that people latch on to. Like, do people just not watch football matches, or or just have like, do people not allow evidence to start shaping how they think about anything anymore? Like, did it just like? Has somebody decided that that I am now a supporter of Douglas Louise, who now it's my duty to to find evidence to to try and prove other people wrong, rather than all of us just you know watching the game together? Like, so I'll just read out these stats that are going around from Douglas Louise versus Everton. Like, why, why would anybody go to the bother of doing this? Sixty three accurate passes, ninety two point six percent passing accuracy, six out of seven successful long passes. 5 out of 8 ground duels won, 1 out of 1 crosses completed, 2 clearances, 2 interceptions, 2 tackles, finding his feet again. Like, if that's finding his feet, fuck me, like, we must all be flat on our backs. Like, <laughs> you know, do you remember the one that was going around from Ross Barkley performance a few a few weeks ago? Um, like, this is, like, you can find stats. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a stats basher. I think, you know, we can use information to to better inform us, obviously, but like there was a stack going around Ross Barkley. I think it was it said something like a hundred percent dribbles completed, and he actually drilled down to it, and it was one dribble. 
And then Nicky, what what is it? What even is a dribble? Like who's defined that? Like is it just did he just take it to the left of somebody? Does, does that count as a dribble? Like we don't. It's just one of those performance indicators that we haven't all agreed on. And you know, I'm, I'm looking at these stats, and it, it doesn't tell me anything really about his performance. Like you know, we like he had that nice cross. Like we know that we can watch that. We don't need these stats to to show that. Like he should have had an assist tonight if Mings just scores. But he gave the ball away. Every time he he was out of position. Every time he sold himself. Every time, like he he got rinsed. Like it's saying here, two tackles, <laughs> two tackles. He's a holding midfielder. Like why would somebody say that? Two ta- like the average. I actually saw this recently. I forget what it is. I should have looked it up before I before I started rambling. But like he's actually well below the league average and and his average what it used to be in terms of tackles and interceptions, like. How many times did he miss a tackle? Just watch the match. We don't. We don't have to now hide behind these stats, and we don't have to take a side. We can just let things. Like I, I, I am on Douglas Louise's side, but when he plays badly, we have to just say that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, it is the easiest thing in the world to take statistics and to take them without context. I mean, the context you should be taking them in, obviously, is the match. Where were his successful passes going? Were they relevant to Aston Villa's game plan? What about his unsuccessful ones? How dangerous were they? How bad were the dispossessions? I mean, one of his successful passes was to John McGinn's fucking neck. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you have to take all these things together. You watch the game and you can see what how good or bad Douglas Louise is. You can use the stats to figure out where he can improve, what he's actually good at. But you can't just labor a big load of stats. I mean, those Ross Barkley ones, they weren't even that impressive anyway, as far as I remember. But, you know... There was a whole pile of other things in there. They were talking about 92% pass success rate as well for Ross Barkley, I think. That game, he had the fourth fewest passes attempted by an Aston Villa player. Yeah. Like, he was playing as a number 10. That's a much more important stat. He's not on the fucking ball, and he's playing behind our centre forward. That, that That's a lot more alarming. You can't, you can't just cherry pick stats. Look at his performance, and then look at what stats you want to figure out if he's good or bad at, just to make sure you're not going mental. But yeah. Douglas Louise wasn't good tonight. Villa's midfield was completely malfunctioning, and Douglas Louise was a large part of that. Going up on the vitamin meter, Jack Grealish, congratulations. He's back, Emmy Martin is. Congratulations, you're already a legend of the club. And going up yet again, Mr. Matt Target. I think we were talking about maybe 10 games ago when, like, you know, he was, he turned everything around, like, long. I go at that stage, and uh, I think we were sort of saying, like, "Oh, you know, he's probably going to win Player of the Year now because he's going well at the back end of the year." And it was sort of like, you know, that would that would be sort of bullshit and forgetting what he had done earlier in the season. Like he he was bad earlier in the season. Go back and listen to the old podcast. Like we we were talking at a stage, like you know, right? We need a left back. Who are the fucking options? You know, we were talking about signings like early in the season about about what Villa need to do to save that, but. But that was so long ago now, and he's been so good. He's he definitely been Villa's best player the last while, most consistently. And um, like I, I think he's probably deserving of player of the season now. Am I right in saying this? Because Jack Grealish has missed so much football, yeah. possibly. I mean, Jack Grealish will have missed 40% of the season by the time it's finished. Maybe Watkins. Like, you know, maybe that's unfair. Maybe Martinez as well. Like, they're, they're fucking three... Konza. Konza, like, in fairness, that, like... Yeah, but but I wouldn't like I wouldn't there was wouldn't be one of those four getting it where I'd think, Oh, really? I, I would I would accept the result of the election of Matt Target God. I would I wouldn't demand a recount or anything like that. I would I would I would take it on the chin. I I would prefer if Konza won it. Probably even still give it to Jack Grealish, to be honest. Yeah. But if Matt Target won it, yeah, like he's had a brilliant season and because it was such a turnaround, I mean, yeah, you could say he was shite at the start of the year, so that should have points deducted from him. But because he's because he's had such a turnaround and because he's now Villa's best player, I mean, that is some fucking turnaround because we had him lumped in as the absolute must replace. This is the glaring admission in our squad and we were proved right for the first eight, nine, ten weeks. He was dreadful in most Aston Villa games and to come back from that and to get to the level he's at is, is really admirable. It is like we were saying Trezeguet and Target. That's the weak links now. We need, to, you know, we we've got nine players and we need to, yeah, we need to replace it. So it's it's it's, it's crippling us. But um, yeah, like the, yeah, I, as much as I said that was a under the radar 
worst performance of all time from Ross Barkley. Matt Target is a low key best left pack of all time for Aston Villa. <laughs> the way he's going, like if he keeps this going, like he could really be held up as a as a proper hero. Well, like Aston Villa, in, in my time of being an Aston Villa fan, haven't exactly been replete with brilliant left backs. The Matt Target, <laughs> Matt Target, just has to stay at this level and he'll comfortably win it. Yeah. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Tyrone Mings for real complaining to Ezra Konza? <laughs> that was so weird. Like that's that is absolute schoolboy. So I've given out about people doing this so much in my completely modest football career. But you can't just point at somebody and and expect that they're they're not going to pick up that man who's your man. Yeah. What the fuck is he doing? He's just gone to sleep because he's pointed at somebody. He's like, well, that's my job done. Get back involved in the play. Imagine, imagine like making such a mess, right? Imagine eating a bowl of cereal here and you smash the bowl off the table. It falls on the ground, smashes everywhere and it's fucking milk everywhere as well. Like it, you know people say no point crying over spilt milk. They've obviously never spilt any fucking milk before. It is the most annoying <laughs> thing in the world. It stinks. It's sticky. It's... It's, it just it just spreads everywhere so quickly. And now there's like bits of fucking Rice Krispies scattered into this. All over the floor. There's a bit gone on a bit of the carpet as well. And your your friend who you've had over gets up to go to the toilet as this happens. And thinks, you know, Jesus, I'm going to get out of the way here. And you stand there with your hands out going, what the fuck? <laughs> You're not going to help me? Like you're not gonna help me clean up this mess that I've made. Like you know, like this is this is not his job. Like it's actually even worse than that. Imagine your friend is a firefighter <laughs> who has to answer a call now. There's just been a fire, so he has to go do his job, and you're standing there going, "I fucking spilt my cereal everywhere," <laughs> and you're going to do your job. Like you know, he just he stopped and said, "Go!" Like it's like he stopped and said, "Go pick up this mess." Like. Get all that little smithereens all around the floor. Make sure you get all of them. Get all the milk. Don't want this place smelling anymore. Want all the Rice Krispies gone. Take the bin out afterwards. Like that's what that's what Ming said to Kanza. There, he stepped aside and said, "Clean my mess." And then when Kanza thought, "Do you know what? I need to actually just sort of keep this angle because I am the right center back who's drifted all the way over to the left for this clown again." But um, <laughs> I, 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 Ming's is here. He he is here. Like <laughs> it's his mess. He's still here. He can still recover. So I'm going to just try and hang in between and split them and, and hope that Mings gets back to help. And then, and, and then Mings turns around looking at him going, what are you doing? Are you not going to fucking bail me out again? <laughs> Get your fucking hose in here and spray my cereal off the ground, mate. That's not going to clean itself up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have the fucking tools to get rid of this within seconds. Um, ah, it was that was it was crazy. It was crazy, but Tyrone Mings has revealed himself to be a plonker on more than one occasion. <laughs> like a really, a really nice guy, a really top defender, but Christ Almighty, can he just have a brain fart? Yeah, it, like there, there's been there was a period there, like he can do it. Like if if they can get Tyrone Mings to that level, just consistently, that he was at there a few weeks ago, like. We we don't want them replaced anyway, but like fuck me, it would just be such a good back five going forward. Like he just need to cut that stuff out. Like he needs to cut out going on an overlap for Jack Grealish. Our fucking centre half going on an overlap for Jack and then being too tired to come back. Like a big like a big fat junior player who's just thought like, you know, oh, I'll I'll just go up here and see what happens and it doesn't matter. Like it's only it's only junior football. Like if I lose the if I lose the ball, it's fine. Like you know. Who cares? And he just starts strolling his way back into the fence. Our captain, our centre back. Well, but why did fuck did Jack Grealish give him the ball? I don't in, know. In, in what world is it a good idea for Jack Grealish to play Mings down the line? And Jack Grealish, it was it was a nice pass, but like Jack Grealish had a, a few options there. One of them was to keep the fucking ball himself. Yeah. Don't like don't give it. Don't enable him. <laughs> yeah, Jack Grealish is a feeder. <laughs> um. Speaking of Jack Grealish, would Villa be competing for Europe if Jack Grealish wasn't gone for so fucking long? No, I don't think so. I mean, what, what, I, I just don't think... 
I just don't think we have it there. I mean, we, we had dipped uh, quite significantly after Jack Grealish, before Jack Grealish left. We had, we had a, a real, a really, we were really turbulent just before he dropped out. I just don't think we had, like I've said this before, we don't have the players to, to sustain it for a full season. There's too many, there's too many players who, have, they haven't down tools. They're just, they're done. Like their season's finished. They're fucking wrecked and they're, they're a shambles now. Like as much as, as much as I slagging off Dougie and McGinn, I know they're not absolutely shit, but boy, oh boy, have they been playing absolutely fucking shit for the last couple of games. And that's just what happens whenever your squad's not big enough, your players aren't good enough, and that's the way Aston Villa are. I don't think they would have been competing. The stats flashed up there, and I think I even mentioned them last week. It's a 1.5 points per game whenever Jack Grealish is there, and one point whenever he's not. And that that is obviously stark. But that doesn't take into the fact that they were in a really bad run of form, a really up and down run of form while Jack Grealish was there as well. Yeah, and, and like the, the bottom line is you, you can't... Everybody would miss Jack Grealish, everybody would miss some of the best players in the world in any team, but like you know, Villa just are at that stage where like it's it's too much of a drop-off even when he goes. And I mean, he ha- he, your strategy can't be like these... How many many class players that you have like you know whatever it is these nine ten players like they all have to play every single minute and be on it every single minute because it's not going to happen like you know we we started off raving about Douglas Louise worried that Man City were going to take him back you know but they're going to have dips and and Villa just aren't at that they're going to have dips they're going to have injuries and Villa just aren't prepared to cope with any of that at the minute um so regardless of Grealish going or not like yeah other people have have had their dips and just we haven't been able to to firefight it with, with Ezra Kanza's hose. Yeah. And even, and even if you take that, you know, 38 times 1.5, it doesn't get you enough points to get into Europe anyway. It's it's not it's not good enough. It's 57 points. It's it's not going to get you there. Liverpool are on 60 at the minute. West Ham, what, what are they on? 58 maybe. They'll pick up a few more points. So even with the points total, the filler were, were accumulating, they wouldn't have got them in there. Yeah. West Ham are on 58. Villa are nine behind them. Um, last one. Why the fuck are Sky Sports cutting away from live football to show me footages of Liverpool players walking on to a pitch in their warm up gear? Why the fuck not? And they they could have switched to the empty pitch and just let us watch the old Trafford grass grow for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, even the analysis at halftime, there was so little to talk about. They were showing footage of the crowd gathering outside Old Trafford. Yeah. Getting they're... Jamie Redknapp's hot take on that. <laughs> they were actually really properly excited because like, the game was so bad, the Villa match. And then I know there was excitement with fear as well. It was like, the crowds are gathering here at Old Trafford. You, know? <laughs> but you could see that that was the thing that they were obviously interested in. And uh, there was just no interest in the fucking Villa match. They weren't even at the game. No, the best thing about the Aston Villa fo- coverage tonight was was Graham Souness referring to Roy Keane saying we played midfield, and then with a sufficiently long gap and just enough surprise in his voice for me to suspect the producer was in his ear. He added while kind of half motioning to Jamie Rand, "We we all played midfield." <laughs> I mean. He forgot Jamie Redknapp plays in midfield and he's just said he likes John McGinn as a midfielder. And he set the bar pretty fucking low here, Jamie. <laughs> I, I'd say Redknapp's one of those boys people forget that he's played football, you know, in that environment. I'd, I'd say they just think he's just like a, a producer's mate or something, you know, and he's just, he's just there, he's part of the furniture and then they're the, they're the experts that come in. Like, you know, Jamie Redknapp's just one of the these presenter type people that are lying around in Sky Sports. So, well, sometimes the cameraman fucking forgets his hair and the camera's just focused on Sunis and Keane. <laughs> it, it forgets it has to pan to the right to bring in Jamie. Yeah, actually, don't sleep on Jamie Redknapp, though, because he, uh, he, he is responsible for one of the finest pieces of analysis of Liverpool of all time. And Liverpool's uh, rot over the last 30 years before, they, before Klopp came in, really. Uh, he said, it was going about United, basically, you know, and how this could happen to United and stuff. And he said, like, you know, nobody thought this would happen to Liverpool. Like, Liverpool were winning titles all over the shop. They were the best team in England. I signed for them, and they haven't won a league title since. (laughs) (laughs) 
like, best thing you said all day, Jamie. <laughs> you know, fair play, you've nailed it. He doesn't know that he's nailed it, but he's absolutely nailed it. Yeah. And with that, we wrap up a podcast. I cannot believe that we have gotten almost an hour out of this shit tonight. And if you have been listening this long, fair foxy, um, actually, I would be interested to hear if anybody is still sticking around for this long. So send us a tweet on the Villa podcast on Twitter. Um, it would be good to hear if anybody has, has made it this far because by God, by God, that was tough and it's been tough for the last the last few weeks. But we're almost there. Three games to go and then we can enjoy some better teams playing international football. Jesus, you're really sucking on anybody who's going to be listening to this, to this for the next three games, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to use this for the for the start of this show as well, just to promo it. Um, <laughs> well, what a pointless match. Anyway, best of luck. Thanks for listening. And uh, it's been a pleasure yet again. See you later. That wind is calling my name and Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.